0: Mansplaination is a show about two men trying to break free from the prison of toxic masculinity. They offer no professional advice or suggestion. They will occasionally use adult language and will often discuss examples of violence and malicious behavior. So parental guidance is recommended. But not nothing we offer is professional or no,
1: not even a little. Even though
0: even though we both are professionals,
1: mm-hmm. and I'm a professional therapist somehow, so. <laughs> Something that might be of interest to you. Um, So we got an email at work from our union telling us: uh, Are you familiar with the Hatch Act?
0: No, I mean, yeah, yes, but refresh me.
1: Okay, so effectively, in a a very simple nutshell, it means that you cannot campaign for um, someone to get political office while you're on work time. So we we received an email saying that we cannot uh, talk about impeachment the resistance, or realistically anything negative about our president while we are working. Um, Some people are taking it so far as like, you know, on lunch, you surf the internet. They are not surfing news sites because we. uh, some people are getting a little antsy that maybe this is being tracked and possibly held against us. So that's kind of where we're at right now.
0: Uh, Yeah, considering, right, like essentially that's what's happening to the FBI or it had happened to the FBI, right? Yeah.
1: yeah very Those much text so.
0: messages Mm-mm. um yeah uh but the president's not taking it seriously
1: certainly no that doesn't seem like it that's fine this will work <laughs> out very right, right
0: Uh yeah I, when you brought that up i thought you were going to start talking about um how trump violated the Hatch act while in his trip to iraq
1: me, me, um, yeah yeah that, that um, happened
0: yeah and how he's like saying that it's not <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it, it, a huge violation of the Hatch Act.
1: Yeah, very, very and, much so. But yeah. I guess while you're president, nothing really sticks to you. So no, still-
0: as as I just I just listened to well one one of the things I have for the end of for our final question. Um, I'll save it for that. But I just listened to a story about Ford and Nixon. Uh, on a podcast, but okay, I'll, I'll save that for later.
1: Um, so what's what's been going on with you, Tim? In these past couple,
0: uh, you know, celebrating the season, end of the year, just uh, relaxing, taking it easy, doing a doing some amount of work. I don't know. Yeah, most <laughs> it's 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 been my own personal party. That sounds that sounds like a dick talked. talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've been cleaning and organizing. So, right, I, sp- I spent, uh, this is the first holiday season, first Christmas definitely, that I have been alone, that hmm. I have not been with family or friends. Was your wife out felt- of town as well? Or- yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like legitimately alone, like wow. just me and my cats. How was that? It was pretty great. It was great. Really? Yeah. Um, It was sad, but I don't know. It was just the normal day, other than, you know, reading everybody talk about being with family and friends and all of these pictures from parties. But Jen said she got freaked out because I was talking, we were talking about it because Jen made like last minute arrangements Mm -hmm. to travel home. Um, And I was encouraging her I'm like, listen, this is go spend time with your family. And she said something. She's like, "Yeah, I don't think it makes you sad." And so, like, I spent a good day thinking about it. I'm like, "Well, no, it does make me sad. I'm, I'm just fine with that.
1: Mm -hmm. You're fine with being sad in that moment."
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, "This will, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to see family. Like, like happy. Like, I've come to this point where I don't see happiness and enjoyable and enjoyment as a limited commodity that I have to kind of hoard." Okay. This isn't my last opportunity for being with family, but this was an opportunity for me to like be on my own and enjoy Oakland, California.
1: Okay. Do you mind if I ask why was it a dif- a distinct choice for you to stay home, or was it just kind of like things are a little bit out of your control, so it's easier if you stay home?
0: Um, all of the above. Okay. We just got. We, I'd just been home for two and a half weeks. Uh, home, home, where mm-hmm. I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, in lovely downtown Scranton. No, I didn't. Uh, but yeah, uh, where I grew up in Northeast PA working on some projects there and being with family and was home for a holiday mm-hmm. and that was enough for me kind of thing. It's like, it. yeah, I don't need to go back in a couple, like I'm going to be back sooner because there's stuff for me to do there, renovating a house and stuff. It's like, I'm see family then.
1: Okay.
0: It's sadly it's like you. right I didn't get to see my extended family.
1: Right. But, but you'll get you know, to see I, them in a few months regardless.
0: Yeah. Good. Or if not ever again, that's fine. <laughs> that's out of my control. Okay. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it just went from, you know, February, March, maybe never though.
0: If the <laughs> If like the world like if if the world ends, like if Thanos snaps his fingers.
1: Yeah. yeah and you're among that half. And,
0: You'll, In that kind of situation. You'll be dust. Well, either half, right? hmm It sucks for both. <laughs> that's the that's the fan. Tha- Do you want to talk about the Thanos problem? I don't really have a topic for today. I don't know if you had a topic for today.
1: I, I, I had a vague, vague topic. topic. Okay. I mean, so it's, We can, it's we can talk about Thanos, though, if you want.
0: It's not about being a bad dad and all that. No, the, no. I think so, I'm a
1: pretty good dad. So
0: um, I think you're a pretty good dad, I, too. I, I think most of this show is us convincing you that you're a good dad
1: <laughs> I, I I put a lot of effort in and yeah so it's just it, it was kind of yeah. funny like I was a I was a real quick aside this is the topic I had vaguely kind of put together but okay. I was at a Christmas party on a Saturday night it was my family's Christmas party and Becca had something else to do so it was me with Becca's my wife with uh, my two daughters who are four and two and therefore animal maniacs especially when they're Given the amount of sugar that I allow them to have, and they're running wild and they're going nuts, and but I'm I'm wrangling them. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. And someone came up to me and said, "You're a really good dad." I mean, it's like my my father didn't do this when I was young, and they stopped themselves and said, "You know, not that my dad was bad." Which I, I I really gotta say, I think that fatherhood has changed in a lot of ways. I look back to the way that my dad raised me and it's very different intentionally so than how I'm raising my kids right now.
0: I've de- no this I've definitely I would love to talk about this and and, and also rolls into what I, what I think about Thanos. So this this cool. this folds together nicely. Okay. There's always time to apply Thanos to any discussion yeah. we have. The Infinity War
1: mm-hmm. now on
0: Netflix. Uh today's show sponsored by Disney and Netflix. Um the Greatest Generation. That's not their slogan. Netflix, the place to watch things.
1: Netflix. Are you still watching?
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Are, you possibly can't still be watching.
1: The best no. is when that comes up and your screen goes dark and you see a reflection of yourself in the screen and you're just like, ah, I've made some life choices.
0: My life is an episode of Black Mirror.
1: I have to be at work in two hours and I've stayed up all night.
0: I don't have to wish that my life was like Black Mirror it is. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, so, so I mean, I, so, since my uh, family member said that to me, okay. I mean, I was thinking like
0: I had a thing that I wanted to do. Oh, go ahead then. You called your children animal maniacs, and I thought you said animaniacs.
1: Animaniacs would also apply.
0: You're only, you're missing the third child. You only got you only got Wacko and Jacko or Dot. I don't know what their ages are.
1: I, I would count my wife as Dot, and <laughs> at one point when she was considering joining roller derby, her name was going to be Anna Maniac.
0: Oh, that's solid. Okay, now back to the serious stuff.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: you you took the compliment. I, I took
1: the compliment, and you ran with it. And you were like, yeah, I am a good dad. It was, it was, you know, I don't allow myself too many compliments in my life. I'm, like, like I was saying, when I was a kid, Mike, my, my dad, the way he raised us was maybe a little bit more hands-off. I mean, mm-hmm. he worked his mm-hmm. probably 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week. Seventh day, he was beat or had to do stuff around the house. And for the most part, that was it. He'd come to my cross country or track meets. Um, he'd do the parent teaching. Differences. Aside from that, though, I mean, he was he was there. He was in the background. My grandmother taught me how to drive, as we talked about before. My mom taught me to shave. He provided, and he was there, but it, it was very hands off. And so, uh, I've made the distinct decision. And I feel like a lot of people in, a, in our generation have that. No, I'm I'm going to be present. I'm going to do a lot of things. I still work a lot. I Still do a couple days a week. I pull a couple twelve hour days, but. I take my kids to uh, gym classes. I'm involved in that. Uh, uh, yeah, just do a lot of stuff with my kids on a very regular basis.
0: Did your mom work, like have a part-time job? Or
1: My mom didn't work until I was in the third grade, so I would have been about nine or ten. And then at that point, um, I, my, my dad's stance on that was there. there's no point in my mom working because we'd have, just have to put her salary into childcare, where if he worked doubles, then that would supplement our income to that degree. But when, my, when I hit that age and my younger sister was old enough to be cared for by my older sister and I, then she got a job.
0: In general, do you know about love languages like service or? I, I can't. I can hear. Let me go.
1: Let me Google them real quick. Um, I, I dated a girl and this is just kind of off the cuff, but I dated a girl and that was something that she was a huge proponent of love languages and like how one person can tell another person that they love them. My dad was a kind of a, a bit of a standoffish guy, but I believe that he told us that he loved us by just working long right. hours so, that's- so that my mother could stay home so we could have the things that we needed. And that was the way that he said he he loved us. So
0: 1995 book, uh, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate um, by Gary Chapman. He's a Christian man. At some point, this gets adopted into broader kind of know thyself, self-help type of things like I've had a lot of people bring it up to me. So I don't know if this is where it originates. It, allow, it outlines five ways to express and experience love, uh, receiving gifts, time, words, acts of service, and physical touch. The idea of this book by this man is everybody has a way they prefer to receive love and prefer to give love or right. Want and need their love. So, some it's like, Oh, I, you know, I just need you to spend time with me like that's that's love to me Um, you being physically present right right that providing is a service to your family but also raising and cooking and doing those things is another way to do
1: service definitely or teaching how to cook teaching how to work teaching how to do certain things.
0: Everybody, like, I think everybody needs a little bit of each of those things. Like, they need physical connection with a parent, they need, or a mate, right? Like, an intimate loved one, a family member.
1: As a society, we should be comfortable with, like, giving your mother a hug. And I I like to think that we're there, but if uh, you're a man and you don't feel comfortable for whatever reason, maybe that parent was standoffish, maybe that parent's a little bit cold, a little bit more rigid. And you might you might have been lacking something there,
0: and so I think the expectation for not just a father, but for a parent to fulfill not just the providing part, but right? Like that parenthood is a partnership. And you know you can you you each have to split providing um, taking care, learning, and being present. Mm-hmm. For you, it's like just. You know, taking the example of my dad, right? I I wish him. You know, like my right. Specifically, I don't. I can't. I can't really talk about it because my experience was different from yours. Um,
1: okay. What was yours like?
0: Like there, there wouldn't be. <laughs> if anything, I would have spent less time with my father. Okay. And I didn't spend like we didn't do a lot. Like yeah, we didn't do a lot together. But right, like I, I had him. I I say when I look like towards the kind of parent I would be. Like I look to my parents as kind of the standard. Like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act in a way as a counterexample to my dad. Okay. I would just do things
1: fine tune some things to Yeah. Yeah. But overall the general model is one that you feel was good.
0: The model of to be a parent, right. To be a parent, to be a good parent, to be a good mom, to be a good dad is to spend time with your children Your child to take interest in their interests, to provide for them. Um, Like it wasn't. It it wasn't just well, one of us needs to work and one of us needs to raise the kids, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. My parents were always working. Like they always either had. They always had a part time job of some kind. Um, Like my dad was athletic director at one point, but before that, he worked part time at a pet shop. Like growing up, I remember.
1: Oh, was that something going?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was the, the tail end of economic prosperity where yeah. mid, the true middle class existed. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. The other thing I wanted to dig in is, is how your example of your dad and that kind and like, I'm not right. Your dad's not unique. Like that's a dad.
1: Very much so. Yeah. I think it's a lot of people's experiences with a dad
0: up until maybe now. I don't know yeah I, I right. I feel like the the all the fathers I know of our generation and beyond even people who have teenagers now are all mm-hmm. very present with their children.
1: yeah yeah I, th- I think I think for me, like I was like I was starting to say a little bit earlier, I feel like when the pill became a thing, that's when things started to change. Because if you are a woman and you are in a relationship and you got pregnant, congratulations, your job is now to raise that child. Whether you are becoming a lawyer, a doctor, a chemist, or whatever, now all of a sudden you go from that to you have to raise that child. And I think with the pill, a lot more opportunity was created. We can put this off for a while. Maybe I can get established in my career, make some money, and we can hire a daycare or a uh, move close to our family so that maybe the grandparents could help out or something like that and i think that started the progression to where we are today i think it's a combination of both desire and financial need for both people in the family to work so if you have both people in the family work and then both of you have to be the caretaker and both of you have to be the breadwinner which is something i i much, I much prefer i i think that my if I were left to my own devices, I would probably work about 12, 16 hours a day. It's just something I feel like I need to do. It's uh, something I, I didn't grow up in economic prospo- prosperity. So, in the back of my mind, it's always like, okay, the car could go tomorrow, better work overtime. So that way it can be fixed before that happens.
0: And I think, right, like to me, that's that's not an incorrect mindset. Like the mindset that your father had.
1: Not the healthiest
0: well <laughs> it, you know that's the lack mentality the the depression mentality of oh we had a house we had a farm and a house today and tomorrow the bank took it away yeah um, yeah or for so, me it would
1: be the recession mentality because in the 80s when the steel mills were closing and all of a sudden work was no longer guaranteed you had to wonder how the hell am I going to make mortgage how the hell am I going to make these car payments stuff like that
0: what I think is interesting is the inherently like racist cognitive dissonance of the baby daddy mm-hmm. and the welfare queen mm-hmm. when that is that idealized the people who idealize that nineteen fifties gender the mentality of the type of father that's like oh I I can't be bothered with the kids my job is to work and make money yeah. At the end of the day, I'm just a child who makes money. I have a, mm-hmm. a, a wife or a partner who does all the heavy, the other, the rest of the work of making sure I can live a life. Um, so essentially, you, you're just an absent father, right? Like you're not raising your kids. So these kids, you're not a parent to them. And I think of like how standard that was for fathers in to be that way, white, right? White men to to treat their families and their kids that way.
1: Very much so. There's a lot of uh, men of the generation above us right. that just didn't know their parents. My dad used to talk about that quite a bit. That he never, he didn't know much about his his father. And I remember, especially when I went overseas, and after I came back, I asked him some questions. He's like, "Todd, I just don't have the answers. I don't know what kind of person he truly was because that's just not the way families were at that time." Yeah,
0: he wasn't. He his parenting to that was that kind of strict patriarchal gender role was to be a male father to be a parent you either had to do column A or column B and column A was you know keep money keep food keep mm-hmm. house and clothing available
1: mm-hmm. and that's how I parent yes to keep the car running but not necessarily the car
0: the only right the quote unquote only reason I'm doing this is for this family otherwise I would have absconded kind of thing, Mm. right? Like that's what I'm going back to this racist idea of, oh, men, men are just baby daddies. They can't, you know, if they give up their parental duties, they just leave.
1: Okay. And,
0: and and that's inside all men somehow. I'm, to me, I'm not saying this as a thing that I believe. Okay. I'm saying this as a thing of, this is logically what, has to transpire, and even though they would never say this, at the heart of the argument of, you know, there's no such thing as a gender spectrum, they're either men or women, women have to be in the home, men have to be, like, that hard line, the handmaid's tale view of the world, at the core of it is white men have this sense of responsibility, Mm -hmm. and that responsibility is to be a provider. If they didn't have that sense of responsibility, they would just run wild, it's it's kind it's kind of like the the just it's just to sum up it's kind of like the argument about how why aren't all atheists murderers and thieves and robbers since they don't have a god and they must therefore be amoral? because mm-hmm. you, to be a moral person you have to believe in god which is false kind of thing it's like to be mm-hmm. to be a good man you have to believe in this version of parenthood otherwise you would just be lazy and you wouldn't care for your child yeah which is fun which is crazy to me right like it's it's crazy is the wrong word it's it's wrong i mean it is crazy it's wrong thinking it's broken thinking that somehow at our core we are 'er ne'er-do-well
1: beasts that without a certain structure put in place, then everybody would make choose to make the wrong decision. Yeah. If all drugs are legalized, everybody's going to be an addict. If uh, prayer is taken out of the school, then everybody's going to be a sinner. Or we're on a slippery slope. Yeah. And so yeah. on and so on. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with how uh, the wealth welfare state created uh, the quote unquote welfare queen and the quote unquote baby daddy?
0: Is this an argument? Wait. So so can you preface this? What 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 is this you're about to? And,
1: and, and tell this me? is not an argument. This is actually history. Okay. So uh, before ri- civil rights, um, oh, let's just, I mean, if, if you're a black man, you could do the exact same job, have the exact same title as a white man. You're just not going to make as much. That is a yeah. fact.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And at a certain point, it became very apparent that your family would be better off receiving welfare than for you to be in the picture, that you could work. Separated from the family, get the check, and then share that with your family. And as long as you're not in the house, they could collect welfare, food stamps, and receive health care that you would more to a higher degree than you would be able to provide to them. And at a time, one of the roles of social workers would be if uh, you were in child protective services or any other social work capacity and you were going out to do a home visit, you would be required to check the closets, make sure that the husband does not have clothing, shoes, anything that he would need to live there, there. And if so, then their assistance would be terminated. So the welfare state kept families apart in the African-American community deliberately.
0: That conservative idea of the welfare state.
1: The conservative idea of the welfare state.
0: What made made the family separate was was racism. Um, the fact
1: that which, which at that point it was intertwined with that
0: right the, the fact that you could pay Black people African Americans less money or not at all right like the essentially the 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 when when Kanye West goes on his crazy rants about the Thirteenth Amendment that's what he's talk it's like the actual thing that he's talking about which is the Thirteenth Amendment just said you private people couldn't have slaves it didn't say you had to treat black people as equals right mm-hmm. it led to jim crow it led to segregation it led to all these horrible practices
1: definitely yeah yeah back
0: and not just the south in america to control african american and former slave former slave um, yeah former slaves it was a way to undermine them as citizens as par- as participants in american society how we have shackled The institution of fatherhood to this idea of a you know a white man who provides has had all of these consequences, right? Like, it's why I'm 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 hopeful (laughs) about the future because I do look around me and I I like these commonplace institutions that defining parenthood not as fatherhood and motherhood but as a shared parenthood.
1: A shared responsibility um, that you are a family, not, you're actually, uh,
0: not a you're father, actually, not a mother. You're actually undoing racist institutions. You're helping along, um, you know, a more. You're, you're removing these these practices, which leads to these hardcore forms of racist institutions by literally attacking the problem at its core, which is you no know, gender is a construct, class is a construct, all of these jobs that we've assigned based on gender as a construct. Essentially, the idea that it's not that being a homemaker versus going out and, you know, just to use your family and your parents as an example, that your mother and father were doing equal work. One wasn't more important than the other. But at some point, the story became, no the the man's work is more, this, this work is more valuable. Does that make sense? Any of it? Some of it, yeah kind of. what's been getting you through this week
1: um what's been getting me through this week uh i've been listening a lot to a canadian soul singer named tamika charles uh for anybody that was a big fan of uh sharon jones and the dap kings i'm not going to call her a successor but she really feels like she's a piece of a puzzle that's filling that hole Based out of Toronto, currently on tour for it's right now. Yeah, yeah, just a, a wonderful debut album that came out a little while ago. It's called Soul Run. Um, came out last year.
0: Any uh, any hot tracks burners? What are they? what boomers?
1: The the, the two tracks that really kind of got me into it is a uh, Soul Run, which is uh, the title track, and then Two Steps. And and for me. Again, I have two young kids, so we listen to a lot of like uh, Disney soundtracks, stuff like that. And whenever I can get them interested in something else, uh, that that's a win for me, and they they love that album. So anybody who's uh, looking for something fun to listen to to start out the New Year's, Soul Run uh, and is a great album by Tanika Charles. What about you, Tim? What's been getting you through?
0: Hold on, let me play this Huh. Once in my life, getting me through this week um podcasts always podcasts tell me about um, podcasts so i listened to two well i listen to a lot of history podcasts but two podcasts that i would say are straight up history um are, one is co-hosted and one is hosted by this uh female historian whose name i'm looking up she works for a company called the wing and presidents are people too is Wonderful. There was the last episode I listened to was about Gerald Ford and essentially about how his decision to pardon Nixon and this and end the investigation, uh, kind of is what has brought us to where we are politically today at the end of yeah. two thousand eighteen, and this idea that the president is above the law, um, and Ford didn't want to do like Ford did it in to sort of just move on. It's like we just need to move on from this, but that decision fucked us um, but yeah it's it's mostly just about right looking looking at presidents as people like their es- episode on George Washington was this story about an escaped slave that he mm-hmm. was chasing one of one of his slaves escaped it's 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 untold stories about the various presidents like I learned that William Howard Taft did not get stuck in a bathtub mm-hmm. that there is no that that was satire that somehow has been passed down as conventional wisdom. Okay. Um, but the thing she does now is called, uh, right, No Man's Land, which is just she picks a female historical figure and does a deep dive. So I got hooked on an episode where she did Sylvia Plath and just about, it's essentially either underrepresented female historical figures or misrepresented And Sylvia Plath kind of falls into that misrepresented category. Is it Alexis Co.? It is Alexis Co. Thank you for finding it. Yeah. Alexis Co., women's history. But the last episode she just did, the last episode for this season, was about women's social clubs and how this is kind of now a thing that's starting to sprout up again. Um, And that's what The Wing is. It's this kind of spaces in different cities, co-working spaces, multi-purpose spaces, for women uh, i have an old i have a roommate who works out of a sev- similar one in san francisco called the ruby um but yeah it's specifically like a co-working community space for women uh, just the the episode is about how valuable that was and how like that was that was a thing for a very long time leading up to universal suffrage that's how, that's how women's, women were able to organize and act as citizens.
1: This looks really interesting. I'm currently downloading the episode on Queenie, yeah. who uh, <laughs> actually is kind of a character I've always been a little fascinated by, but I don't have a whole lot of information on. For our listeners, she was a, uh, a gangster out of 1920s Harlem, and she uh, just disappeared. And uh, yeah, for, for a woman to be a gangster and, and to run a piece of the action at that day and age, she had to be fierce and a force to be reckoned with. So
0: it's a good app. Ep- that's, I think that's the first episode.
1: I think you're right. So listeners, if you're looking for something to uh, check out as a supplement to our, our uh, wisdom and intelligence, please uh, check these things out too. Word. All right, buddy. All right. Tim.
0: Have, a, have a good night. You got anything else for me? Just like,
1: um, no, not really. Okay. Uh, we'll talk again, uh, the, next I mean, week about next the week. Same, same channel. And, uh, Hey, have a happy
0: new year. Have a happy new year. This has been Mansplay Nation. Please reach us somewhere at some point.
1: I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah,
1: we good should night. probably set up an email or something at some point. I'll talk to you yeah. later, Tim. This been, good night. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.
0: I'm, I'm hanging up now. Me too. As always, don't put yourself in a box.